powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. All hail Cam Talbot. The Boston Bruins have been sensed tonight. What a win. A very surprising result, if you ask me. Uh, Welcome back, everyone, to Game Over Ottawa. I'm your host, Maude. Very happy to be talking about this game tonight. I was uh, expecting to come on here and, you know, kind of just not give uh, not give the Sens much credit in terms of going up against a top team, you know, just thinking like, well, if they lose, whatever, because it's the Bruins and they're so good. But luckily, actually able to come on here and celebrate. And uh, actually, just quickly, I want to read a comment from the chat from Freddie as a Bruins fan. Gotta give crazy credit to Cam Talbot. The man absolutely stood on his head. The Sens played some amazing hockey, and I think the better team won tonight. Now, that is interesting that you think that the better team won tonight. Uh, I'm not so sure if I agree with that. I think maybe you could say that the Sens were the better team for the first two periods, but obviously that third period was just crazy dominance from the Bruins. I mean, and that's really what uh, brings us to the main story of the game and Cam Talbot, which uh, Freddie mentions as well. Just what an absolutely amazing performance from him tonight. And especially after that last game where Talbot was so great against Washington and we ended up losing in overtime. I was really glad uh, to see the team actually be able to grind one out in the shootout and get him that W and a huge two points in the standings. Uh, as I was saying, like I was kind of coming... Uh, expecting to come on here and talk about a loss tonight. Uh, I wasn't expecting to say much about points in the standings. And, you know, I'm not really going to be standing watching tonight. I'm not going to pull it up and see, you know, how many points back we are, especially since a lot of teams are playing tonight. I think basically the whole league is playing tonight. Uh, but, you know, I was expecting zero points tonight, so very happy with two. I don't know if uh, if I should be standings watching from this this point on. Uh, if it will be worth it or not, or if I'll just be getting my hopes up. Um, but uh, very happy tonight. And uh, Mr. New Guy in the chat also replying to Freddie. Very good game for both teams. Looking forward to meeting next when we both have less injuries. Yeah, missing Zub tonight. We say this every night, but wow, especially after Zaitsev went down with an injury. That was rough out there. I think we were basically just playing 4D for the whole game. I'll have to check the stats, but I... I think I noticed Dylan Hetherington about one time the the whole game, and I don't think I saw him in the entire third period. So I will be interested to go look at the ice time stats, especially for how much Shabbat ended up playing. I wouldn't be surprised if he was over 30 minutes tonight, especially with the overtime. But uh, yeah, I'm actually going to throw it back to the first period here. going to kind of go through the game as it happened, through the notes that I had. Um... The first period I thought was pretty sloppy, kind of slow from both teams, a little bit sluggish, which I think is to be expected after the holiday break. Everyone uh, coming back after having their turkey dinners, you know, probably everyone's going to be just a little bit off. I did think the Bruins were the better team in that period, you know, they they had more shots on goal. The Sens did have, I think, some of the better chances through uh, through breakaways, though, just some some weird breakdowns. Uh, from the Bruins that allowed some opportunities that were kind of the most exciting moments of this period. Like, my first note was uh, Brady Kachuk trying the between-the-leg shot once again. Uh, he He's getting close. I think he's getting closer. Like, um, there was that game against Detroit a couple weeks ago where he went for the between-the-leg shot and it kind of, he didn't get an assist on it, but it kind of caused havoc and created the goal for Giroux. 
And now, uh, trying it on a breakaway there, that was very ballsy. He, he said in his uh, intermission interview that it was a bit of a last-ditch attempt uh, because he was going to the backhand and then he kind of bobbled the puck. So I guess instead of just shooting on the backhand, he, he tried to pull it back. And, you know, it, it didn't come that close to beating Swayman, but it, oh, it, was, it was an exciting moment. I really wish he scored that so we could finally say that he has scored the between-the-legs move. But, uh, you know, sometimes with that move, I think Brady kind of forces it a little bit. But um, with that one, you know, it was actually a good idea in that situation. So it, it, that was an exciting moment for sure. And then there was also, funny enough, another attempt of the between-the-leg shot in that period, but from Timmy Stutzla this time, also uh, on a bit of a mini, not not quite a breakaway, I think he received a pass uh, from the half wall, but then he was kind of, he was kind of getting hassled by the defender, so he couldn't really uh, pull, probably pull off the move he wanted to. I think it was another situation where it was sort of a desperation attempt. Uh, it probably wasn't what he was planning on doing going in, but the puck was just kind of behind him, so it's like, I guess I'll, I'll reach for it between my legs. Uh, so, Two between the leg shots attempts, but still no goals. We need we need someone on the Sens to finally score one, even if it's not Brady. Just because it would be hilarious if uh, if Timmy had ended up scoring that, and you know someone other than Brady actually beating him to scoring on the between the legs move. I think that would have been a hilarious moment. Uh, we didn't get that tonight, but pretty close. And I also had oh my god, I had one of my notes in the first period. I had Talbot with a fantastic glove save. I don't remember that at this point because he had to make so many saves and even so many fantastic glove saves at this point. Like after watching the rest of the game, I don't even remember the chance in that first period because uh, there was so many fantastic saves from him tonight. Uh, but that just shows he was great from the very beginning, even when Boston didn't have as much pressure, you know. Uh, and then the other note I had for the first period was about Jake Sanderson. He made a questionable pass at the offensive blue line kind of just in desperation trying to get it across to his uh his d partner he was actually they were uh they were on their offsides. he was actually on the right hand side of the offensive zone he just kind of swung it across the zone just trying to keep possession in the zone and the bruins broke it up but the reason why i made this a note is that sanderson made an amazing play to actually stop the chance at the other end it became a bit of a two-on-one uh but he had amazing hustle to get back and uh i believe it was thomas nosick coming down on the wing. You know, I, I wasn't really sure if Nosik was trying to shoot or pass, but whatever it was, Sanderson managed to catch all the way up to him, and he went down with his stick flat on the ice, like his top hand of the stick all the way down on the ice, and made a perfect block on whatever Nosik was trying to do, and just completely stopped his scoring chance from even happening. So that was just an awesome moment from Sanderson, really showing his, uh, his defensive ability there. Even though he made a mistake, he made up for it. And that was just awesome. And now, uh, since I was talking about a defenseman there, I have now seen the defense ice time, thanks to Delta Go in the chat. So, it ended up being 31 minutes for Shabbat, 24 for Hamannick, 27 for Sanderson, 24 for Holden, Hetherington was only 8 minutes, 28 seconds, and, <laughs> and then Zaitsev was 7 minutes with, uh, obviously, the injury he had to leave the game. I'm not sure, actually, what the injury was. If anyone, if anyone in the chat knows what happened there, uh, I would love to know. But, but yeah, DJ shortening the bench with Zaitsev out. I, f I feel like he was going to shorten the bench anyway with a lead. Or, I mean, even if we were 
behind. Like, just regardless, I don't think Hetherington was going to see much ice time in that third period. You know, I don't... I don't blame DJ for doing it, but also I think Hetherington has been a pretty good depth defenseman for us in his limited showings. Like, I think I said earlier, I barely... I only noticed him, like, once in the whole game, which is exactly what you want to see for a... Uh, for a depth guy, like, especially someone with not a lot of uh, offense in his game, you don't want to see him messing up on defense, right? So, full credit to Hetherington tonight in those limited minutes. He he didn't stand out, which is a good thing for him. And uh, into the second period, this is where we got all the goals, for the most part in this game, until the very end. So, first, Bruins with that uh, goal called off for the offside challenge. Now, this is an interesting one to me. I kind of want to pose the question to the chat of whether or not you guys like this call and this kind of goal being called back for offside because it was so close. It was absolutely millimeters. Like, they really had to zoom in and see where the puck was on Marchand's stick to actually be able to tell whether or not that was offside. And full credit to the video teams, like on TSN, and I guess in the actual NHL war room for managing to get the call right. Like, in terms of uh, the current rules, I'm definitely good with the call going the way that it did. They got it right, but I have to say, it's like, just, you know, overanalyzing the inches like that, you know, just, it feels like we shouldn't be doing that. Like, I know you have to draw the line somewhere for offense. I know just when you see the plays that are that close, I kind of think like, oh my god, it was so close. Like, it didn't really affect the play at all, and you should just be able to let that go. But then at the same time, it raises the question of if you're going to say that and allow exceptions, then where do you draw the line? And they kind of just have to have a firm line, which is the blue line, the current rules, right? So uh, Matt in the chat saying you shouldn't be able to call it back if it's like more than 10 seconds. I think... I agree with that in theory, but then then you also have the problem of there's a, like, where do you draw the line, right? Like, say if you set the timer at, like, 20 seconds or so of, like, okay, if it was 20 seconds ago, then you can't challenge it, like, or, yeah, maybe, I'm trying to think how, how it would work in terms of logistics, like, if, if the coach just couldn't challenge at all based on the timing or if they would actually go into a video review and then they would be reviewing the timing, right? Like, I think that might end up being the case and then they're going to run the clock on every replay and they're going to be like, oh, this goal counts because it was 19.9 seconds before the 20-second the rule, so it counts. And then if it was 20.1 seconds and they'd be like, oh, well, that doesn't count. And then that's kind of the same problem of it's so close and the margin of it counting or not is like almost nothing, right? Delta Ghost says, I always say all reviews should be done in real time. If you can tell in real time, then it should be offside. If you need to slow it down, then it's too much. I kind of agree with that for the most part. Although I feel like if we go with that, then at that point, you might as well just not have any review. Unless it's super egregious. Maybe you get rid of the coach's challenge and then you just have the uh the nhl sort of you know sound the buzzer and be like okay we have to review this one because it was obvious but i don't know then at that point it just feels like a judgment call because then then you'll have fans on twitter clipping plays and being like oh they should have reviewed this but they didn't so i, I don't know what the 
what the resolution here is. It's a it's a tough question, but I'm definitely glad uh, that the call went the Sens way today. It was, uh, it was very helpful in terms of how this ended up being such a close game going to the shootout. You know, that goal could have been a huge difference. But, uh, so yeah, very glad that went the Sens way. And then from there, you had Timmy Stutzla breaking the game open on the power play. The first goal of the game that actually counted. Just a beautiful one-timer from him, kind of in the Norris spot on the power play, which was I impressive to see that that type of a shot from him because ever since uh, ever since Stutzla has started with the Senators, it's like the one criticism of his offensive game is that, like early on I remember, was that he doesn't shoot enough or his shot isn't that good. But looked real good there on the, the one-timer spot in the power play, and it was nice to see a goal come from that spot on the power play, especially because we haven't really been, you know, without Norris, we haven't really been going uh, for that type of play on the power play, going for other options. So that was an awesome goal. And then the Bruins struck back pretty quickly. And in my notes, I just wrote Talbot L because it was uh, a bit of a blooper, blooper goal for Talbot. Uh, one he'd like to have back for sure. It's just, it was it's such a, such a frustrating goal to see happen and watch as you see He's just looking the wrong way when the puck when the puck bounced back in front of the net like it was just a pure guess that he had to make and he guessed wrong like credit to jake debrusque for tracking that bounce perfectly he he didn't uh, didn't give up on the play just kept driving towards the net and he got his own rebound off the glass good for him but it was uh it was an unfortunate one to see go in on talbot just unlucky unlucky but luckily for the rest of the game, Talbot was absolutely amazing, so I can't harp on him too much for that one. It was just uh, a bit of a fluky play. Sucks that it happened. And then we had Alex Debrinkit. <laughs> Alex Debrinkit. I messed that up because in my notes I wrote Debrinki, and then I almost said Alex Debrinki by complete accident. Uh, amazing goal from him. I didn't think he was going to be able to get a good shot off on that play because he's reaching out for it. It was way in front of him, and it was bouncing. You could actually see on the one replay angle, that the puck took a huge skip right before he got it on his stick. So it was really impressive that he was actually able to control that, control that puck, bring it in, and actually get the shot off. Like, picking it up with one hand there while it's bouncing. Very impressive stick work from Dabrinkit, and just a beautiful move to beat Swayman. And Dabrinkit just keeps getting better and better. I thought he was uh, the Senator's best forward tonight, pretty much in all situations. Like... I mean, he doesn't play all situations, doesn't play the penalty kill, but power play and five on five thought he was their best forward tonight. He was uh, creating the most and I think causing the most problems for the Bruins defense. So very happy with Debrinket lately and very good, very good performance from him tonight. Amazing goal. And the other note that I had for the second period, uh, <laughs> this one, maybe I jinxed something because I wrote even shots and put a thumbs up because I was very happy to be against the league-leading Bruins and having shots be basically even after two periods. I think at that point it was we had 21 and they had 20 or something like that. But oh my god, that did not hold. You look at the final shot count, they hit 51 and we got to 32. So obviously everyone knows how insane that third period was from the Bruins. I think I kind of jinxed it with my note there. Uh, they Oh my god, in the third period they just went absolutely crazy i can't believe can't believe they got i think i have to see did they hit 30 shots it was 27 shots at the end of the third period <laughs> that's got to be i wonder what the most 
shots anyone has allowed in a period this season is because or, or the most shots that a team has gotten in a period because that might be it like it's very hard to to get that many in a period that was just insane and i wish i knew how many shots they got on that power play alone at the end of the game too because i feel like it was at least 10 like that's really when i saw the shot shot clock just going way 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 up because they had pulled ahead a bit in shots but by like the 10 minute mark of the third period they were only ahead by a few the sends were really just sitting back on defense you know only rolling two d pairs out there it's pretty difficult to uh to get much going when your guys are that tired um so so i didn't really i don't really blame them for the shot count getting that high but wow it was just ridiculous <laughs> like oh i wrote i wrote hamannick l and talbot w i think that was when hamannick went for a big slap shot one timer at the uh the blue line i think that was before the power play where the burns had all those shots and then and then that was the penalty that's what it was he got called on that play he he went for that huge one-timer and totally whiffed on it and to be honest i don't know what the actual penalty was i don't know what they like was it hooking but i, I couldn't see it on the replay so that was a bit of a weird one to me but it was a screw up from hamannick that led to that not nice to see but on that play Talbot made an amazing, just an amazing, just cross crease save. I don't even know. He might have got it with his helmet on that one, I think. Just, he had like at least five highlight reel saves tonight that it, it, it's like gotten to the point where I wrote it a few times in my notes that he made a great save. And then they're all just blurring together in my head. Like, I can't even remember all of them. Uh, Matt says the penalty was hooking right at the start. So I guess maybe like right after he missed the shot, must have been as right as the Bruins were starting that odd man rush and then onto that penalty kill where the Bruins had so many goddamn shots that was just insane I wrote down uh I was I was kind of gonna give credit to Austin Watson for a huge shot block like he did make the huge shot block and then I wrote it down I was like yeah props to him and then right after he broke his stick so he's running around there with no stick and then you know it was a clever play I guess to just throw a hit on the defenseman at the blue line i thought it was really funny because the what what a defenseman would never expect you to just throw your body at him uh when you're penalty killing and the puck is at the point like that that was just a goofy play that somehow worked and then because he had no stick he just jumped straight into the bench like a dolphin dive went like head first into the bench i just thought that was such a hilarious moment it was kind of kind of positive play from watson just because the shot block was really good and then i guess i mean you got to do what you got to do when you don't have a stick it, it was really unorthodox to just throw a hit on the on the defender at the at the blue line and then jump off the ice immediately it was just uh, just a really funny play luckily we didn't get burned on that but it was a little bit scary i was like obviously he had, he had no stick but when he jumped off the ice then it was basically a five on three for like like 10 seconds or so because I don't think whoever came on for him was really expecting that and and they had to come from the far end of the bench took them a little bit to get back into the play so that was that was just pure chaos at that moment and kind of contributed to the Bruins maintaining possession that whole time uh I was hoping to come on here after the second period and say oh wow we won the special teams battle again that's the strength of this team which it kind of is but then of course we allowed that that goal right at the end it wasn't a power play goal 
but our penalty kill didn't look too great just kind of running around for two minutes there i don't think we cleared it at any point there and what was even even worse about it was that we weren't able to clear it when uh when it became five on five again when we got our guy back on the ice it was another felt like another 20 seconds or so before the bruins actually did score there so yeah i on the stat sheet the penalty kill is 100 percent, but didn't look too great there um and yeah when the reason i brought up the special teams battle was because looking at the stats before the game the bruins are unsurprisingly one of the teams who actually do have a better power play than the sens uh, I think I don't have the exact rankings, but I remember the Sens being ranked fifth not too long ago, and the Bruins are actually better. They're probably probably first. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, so we technically held the power play off the board, but I you could see the strength of their power play just totally working it around and getting like ten shots on that final uh, power play chance. Like they just absolutely dominated, managed to get the point in OT getting to OT there just thanks to the the strength of their power play and the Sens inability inability to clear the puck like just super impressive from the Bruins there especially how after they tied the game the Bruins managed to keep pressing at five on five you know they really had the Sens on their heels and I think Cam Talbot must have froze the puck at least like five times in the last three minutes just because we couldn't get it out we couldn't get the puck off of the Bruins sticks uh in those last few minutes so I was really impressed with how the Bruins just kept pushing and they really tried to get the win in regulation, which I like to see from teams. And now, uh, then into OT, I feel like I can't do... Oh, actually, before I talk about o OT, Mr. The New Guy in the chat points out that we actually have more power play goals than Boston now. 37 power play goals for Ottawa, 36 for Boston. So the Stutzla goal today puts us ahead. And I guess the Bruins just must have less power play chances because I remember seeing uh, that the power play percentage was about 4% or so higher for the Bruins. I think it was, unless I was totally reading the graphic wrong. Um, so, But it is awesome that the Sens power play is up there with a team like the Bruins. That is, we've been talking about it a lot lately. That, lately, that is really the strength of this team is the power play ability. And now, yeah, into the OT... I feel like that was just pure chaos and I don't really know how to analyze it like it was just back and forth chances like right away the very first chance Marchand had that little wraparound attempt it was just pure chaos I think yeah Shabbat blocked Marchand's pass attempt and it went right towards Talbot almost he had to make a save on basically a deflection from his own player that very well could have went in and then it was a wraparound chance for Marchand and I think it was Kachuk. So either Kachuk or Stutzla at the side of the net had to make a huge defensive play, basically uh, going down and managing to uh, cut cut that off at the blue line, or goal line, not blue line, jeez. And then from there, it was just chances back and forth, back and forth. You had defensemen for the sentence getting chances. Shabbat had a great chance, I think on, it was a two-on-one. Then we had a little bit of a three-on-one where Sanderson got to take the shot. I really wish he scored that because I would like to see Jake Sanderson get some more goals because I feel like hmm, his his point totals are not super impressive this year, but I feel like he's been a little bit snake-bitten in terms of goals, especially earlier in the year before he got his first goal. He had a lot of chances uh, where he could have scored, so I really wish Sanderson had scored there. But in the end, doesn't matter because we got the dub in the shootout. Um, just impressive stuff from Debrinkit. Just absolutely beautiful goal working it to the backhand just Swayman had no chance on that 
And then I was getting a little bit worried when the next two guys didn't score uh, because, you know, Boston has so many weapons they can throw out there in the shootout. Uh, and we really needed some support for Talbot in that because, my God, he is the only reason that we got two points tonight. Uh, but the Bruins shooters uh, didn't really didn't really have him. Like, they, I feel like they didn't really challenge him too much. A couple shots. I think the first shot hit the post. Pasternak missed the net. I don't even remember the second attempt. I don't even remember who took it. So, good stuff in the shootout. It's hard to analyze a shootout and say, like, say much about it, really. We got the win. That's all. That's all that matters. It was a really awesome win to see here tonight against a top team. And now, I got to thank our sponsor. Think you know which way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Now, I have a bit of a special segment tonight. Wanted to uh, do something a little different because I don't have a guest to bounce things off of today. So, you'll see here. I've got a little bit of a graphic to my side. Uh, just a little bit of quick work that I did right before the game. Since we are a decent chunk into the season now, I wanted to go through the Senators roster and give out some grades to different players. Basically going to go through all the forwards, all the D, all the goalies, and rate their performances kind of uh, like against their expectations, really. Because uh, it's I did the math. It's... I think before this game, it was 40% of the way through the season. So it's not like a perfect number. I wanted to be able to say like, oh, it's uh, a third of the way. Or, oh, it's the halfway mark. Obviously, halfway marks at 41 games. But 40% of the way into the season, I'm going to be doing some player grades. And we're going to start it off with the forwards here. I'm going to kind of reveal it on the graphic as we go. And with the forwards, <laughs> the first rating... Norris is just a sad face. I can't give him a rating. I just want to point out how sad I am that Josh Norris has not been able to play at all this season because we are seeing the team kind of start to put things together lately and it just really sucks that uh, he hasn't been able to be a part of it. I'm, I'm sure he's especially annoyed. I was thinking earlier, like when we had that seven game losing streak where we basically lost every game by one goal, I'm sure he was like, kicking himself in the stands, watching him being like, I could have been out there, could have been making a difference. But just tough, tough for him. Hopefully, he's going to be back soon, you know. It seems like he's on track. Uh, I think potentially a January return. So hopefully, uh, he'll be back and hopefully he can stay healthy for the rest of the season. Maybe play about half the season at that point. And then I could potentially give him a performance grade at the end of the season. And then we have uh, Dylan Gambrell, <laughs> who I've just given a shrug to uh, because he has played about half of the team's games. But to be honest, I have absolutely no opinion on Dylan Gambrell. He, I guess, plays the penalty kill. He doesn't really do anything at like <laughs> at five on five. Um, it's probably a good thing that I just give him a shrug instead of giving him a low rating because he's uh, that's bit like <laughs> no rating is better than a bad rating, right? Uh, but from there, we do have a couple of bad ratings. Uh, Austin Watson, I do give him a D so far on the season. 
I I don't dislike him as much as some other fans I've seen on Twitter, but I just feel like at this point I'm not sure if he's still a uh, a regular NHL player, like an everyday 82 games type of guy. I liked the acquisition when we got him to bring in a veteran in the bottom six instead of, you know, just having it filled with rookies the whole time. But he's, uh, I just feel like he's too slow out there. He will make big shot blocks every now and then on the penalty kill, uh, like tonight. We did see that tonight, and I mentioned that earlier. But other than that, I don't think he brings much to the team. He gets in fights a lot, but he's not really an enforcer. Like, he just kind of randomly fights out of nowhere, sometimes sticking up for a teammate. But the, th the thing about that, and why I, don't, I can't really call him an enforcer, is that he loses, like, all the fights. Uh, <laughs> I remember a few games ago, he won a fight, and then everyone on Twitter was just like, oh my god, he actually won a fight. Like, no one, no one believed it. So, I'm just, I haven't been too impressed with Austin Watson. I would be okay with him as a 13th forward type of guy. Uh, but he's in the lineup every game, so it's not exactly too great. And then from there, Parker Kelly, unfortunately, I also have to give him a D rating. I really liked Parker Kelly at the end of last season, but my god, it took him almost 30 games to get a goal this year. And, like, not that you should be relying on your fourth line for offense, but you can't have that. Like, they need to be able to chip in every now and then. And just from Watson and Kelly, it's just not happening. Like, my God, he's, uh, he does play physical. I do like that about him. I think, like I said, I liked his game last year. He was chipping in more offensively, more than he is now. I don't know what his points pace was last year, but uh, it's not looking good this year. So, unfortunately, had to rate him as a D. And then from there, we get a little bit more positive. I give Broussard a C. The expectations for Broussard, not particularly high, you know, coming into camp as a PTO. I think from there, and then from there with the Norris injury, he just got thrown into a top six role. And he's really not that guy anymore to be playing in the top six. But when you look at the <laughs> at DJ Smith's options on who to actually put in that role, it makes sense that it's been Broussard. And he's chipped in the odd goal. I think it was, he, had, he has eight points on the season in 20-something games, which... Here's the thing, if he was playing bottom six ice time the whole time, I would say, hey, that's really good production. Uh, but obviously because he's been filling, he was filling in on the second line for quite a while, that inflates his ice time, makes it look not quite as good. But again, from a PTO player, can't complain too much. And I feel like a C grade is fair for Broussard. And then from there, this is the first of our top six forwards. This one might be a little harsh, but Batherson with a C grade, I just feel like he's been the weakest of the top six, and he hasn't really uh, he hasn't really lived up to expectations this year, just in terms of his overall game. I remember I lurk on HF boards sometimes, and I remember someone made a thread saying, "Is Batherson the most complete Sens player of all time in terms of a complete game?" And oh my god, that is so wrong. It was a couple months ago. I think it was at the very start of the season. He did have a pretty good start to the season. But wow, that take could not have been any farther off. I know plus minus is not the best stat. But holy crap, his plus minus is just so much worse than anyone else on the team. That it's just, it's just shocking. And even though he has the point production, he's had moments where I'm just like, what are you doing? I remember he was throwing drop passes in his own zone right to the other team. Uh, a few weeks ago. He has been better lately, so I do think Batherson is trending up, 
But I, regardless of the point production, I just need to see improvement on the other side of the puck. So I feel like I can't really give him more than just a C grade right now. But from there, Joseph at a C plus rating. Uh, he's been injured for a while. I think, I think it was 21 games that he's played. And it was two goals and nine points. We, we definitely would have liked to see more goals from Joseph at this point. Obviously, uh, with the injury, not going to happen anytime soon. Hopefully, he is back uh, relatively quickly, though. I just feel like I can't judge Joseph too harshly for the lack of offense, though, with the line mates that he's played with, especially after the Norris injury. Pinto moved off of that line pretty quickly after the Broussard experiment only lasted a few games. Um, so then Joseph isn't really playing with guys who are going to put up that many points. And he's kind of just, he's that he's the guy on those lines that you expect more out of, but also he doesn't have that much help. You know, he came, he came to the Sens last season and managed to surprisingly put up a bunch of points. I think it was playing with Kachuk. I think it was with Kachuk and Norris. So I, I think that kind of raised fans' expectations a little bit too high. I don't think he's going to be ever scoring like that unless we manage to find a spot for him in the top six, but that's not really going to happen unless there's uh, injuries to some of the wingers. So, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't have the highest of ex expectations for Joseph, but I do like his speed. I like him on the penalty kill, and I feel like even when he's not scoring, he's a generally solid player to have in your lineup overall. So I, I feel like a C-plus is fair. And then from there, Kasselik, I give a B minus. Now, this is a, might be a little bit high because I was talking about Kelly and Watson uh, not producing in the bottom six. And then Kastelik also only has four points on the season. I believe it was three goals and one assist. Although, to be fair, I'll take Kastelik's three goals over Kelly's one goal. But <laughs> that's splitting hairs, I guess. But the reason why I have him as such a higher rating is that he's playing at the center position and he's doing fantastic on face-offs. I totally forgot to look up the actual face-off numbers, but I remember seeing that he's relatively high up in the overall league rankings, which is uh, pretty surprising for a rookie, you know? When you have all these young centers on a team like this, like you would pretty much expect them to all suck at faceoffs because they're up against the veterans who know what they're doing on the other teams. But uh, for a guy like Kostelik to come in and just excel at that role, and um, you know he is just amazing, and he uh, he brings solid physical play as well. The, he, we're we're seeing him on the second power play unit a little bit lately, which is an interesting idea. I I don't know how much more I want to see out of that, although. It would be nice uh, if he could bang one in in front of the net on the power play. But yeah, I like Kostelik the most out of all our bottom six forwards. Uh, oh, actually, not true because I didn't name Tyler Mott yet. And actually, he's not the not next in this list, but we will get to him. I have Pinto rated as a B, which is like pretty much perfect. That's That means like exactly meeting the expectations at a B, I think, because he's at, uh, I don't think he got a point tonight, 16 points in... 33 games I believe it was before tonight that's at about a half a point a game pace a little bit I think it's a little bit below maybe but uh that's pretty much perfect for a rookie center playing in your in between your third and second line you know moving up because of injuries um he had that huge goal streak at the start of the season which was amazing uh hasn't really been able to keep the scoring up that much but lately he's been getting more assists which is good to see because I want to see a complete game from him. Don't want to see, you know, a guy just scoring only one type of stat. So getting the assists lately, getting his points per game up. I've been very impressed with Shane Pinto. And again, he can play in all situations. Just awesome rookie season so far from him. Can't ask for much more. 
And then there's Tyler Mott, who I was talking about, at a B plus. Now he again doesn't have that many points, but compared to most of the guys in our bottom six, pretty good in terms of chipping in every now and then. He's just I think he's great on the penalty kill. Just the perfect guy to have in your bottom six. Ideally, he would be on our fourth line and not our third line, I think, uh, if we had better depth. But I just don't have anything negative to say about Tyler Mott other than, like, at five on five, he's not creating much offense. But to me, he's just, like, the perfect guy to have in your bottom six as a defensive forward. Like, just great. I have no complaints for Tyler Mott. Then uh, Stutzla, B+. I think, as I said with Pinto, a B is right about, I would say that's right at expectations. I have Stutzla, so just slightly above uh, what I would have expected from him. He he is, a, I think they showed he was on pace for 70-something points on the season, which is which is a point-per-game pace because he missed some games. Um, I think playing so many minutes, I think he's like 20 minutes a night or something as like a 21-year-old center, that's just, that's brilliant. It's tough to ask a young guy to play that many minutes and just uh, shoulder the load as a 1C right away with no help, especially no help from Norris because he, he's injured. So very good from Stutza lately. I think his game isn't totally complete yet. We still see some kind of uh, immaturity and rookie mistakes um, occasionally. What, one play that always sticks out in my mind is that one game against New Jersey earlier in the year, we, we got a power play... I think we were down 2 nothing at that point. We got a power play with a pretty good chance to get things back in the game. And he just completely fumbled the puck at the blue line, like right off the faceoff. And uh, and gave up a, a breakaway the other way, or 2-on-1 or whatever. And it was just something you can't do at that moment. So I think occasionally Stutzla has these turnovers and stuff that are a little bit rough. But I don't want to criticize his game too much. I love Tim Stutzla. I think B-plus is fair so far on the season. Then... Debrinkit with an A minus. This is huge. This has gone way up. He is trending upward and potentially could deserve an A plus grade by the end of the season, I think. Um, just awesome stuff from Debrinkit in the month of December. Managing to actually bang in some goals now. Beautiful goal tonight, uh, like like I talked about earlier. And But the thing for me about Debrinkit is that he, when he wasn't scoring, he was managing to find ways to produce without putting the puck in the net, you know? We didn't expect much from him in terms of a playmaking game, but he sh he's proved us wrong. Managed to put up put up all these assists and managed to keep a point-per-game pace despite his uh, shooting percentage being way lower than his career average. So at this point, I have to give full credit to Dabrinkit. I think the only way he could have gotten a higher grade is if he was on like a 40-plus goal pace. But his point pace, still amazing. So I have to give him credit with the A-. And then... We only have two players left for the forwards. Giroux is also an A-. minus. I think this is basically about as good as we could have expected from Claude Giroux, you know? Heading into the season, I wasn't really sure. Like, I like it's not like I watched Claude Giroux closely uh, on Florida or on the Flyers before, so... I wasn't really sure if he was going to be still a top-line forward at this age or if he was going to be more of a second-line guy, but again... Just another guy in the Senators' top six who's on a point-per-game pace. Super impressive stuff from Claude Giroux once again. So happy to have a big free agent signing. Actually wanting to come to Ottawa for once. Just awesome stuff. I don't really have anything negative to say about Claude Giroux. Maybe, maybe that means he should have been an A+, but I decided to go with only one A+, which is Brady Kachuk. The obvious one.
We have talked about him so much so far this season. He's just been totally leading the team. Everyone already knew that he was the, the leader of the team, but then leading the team in points as well by a large margin. No one expected that. So I would say if a B is exactly meeting expectations, I would say like A plus is as high as you can get. That's way above the expectations. So just absolutely awesome stuff from Kachuk. Love our Captain Brady. So that does it for the forwards. Now it is the stronger point of the team. So let me know what you guys think in terms of those ratings. If there's anyone you would have higher or lower. But uh, into the defense over here now. I'm actually going to start with the goalies because obviously there's only two guys to talk about. I'll just put them both up at once. Talbot and Forsberg. I have to rate Talbot higher than Forsberg just because of the results he's managed to get. Like, their save percentages aren't too far off, although Talbot's probably went up by a couple points after freaking 50 shots against tonight. Just, again, the, the major difference for me between these two goalies right now is that Talbot has absolutely managed to steal games and steal points for this team. Like I said earlier, the Washington game shouldn't have gone to OT. He completely saved us. Uh, and then today, you could probably say the same thing. Uh, and he managed to get the win in the shootout as well. So, like, on paper, Talbot has the edge in save percentage and goals against average. So, I have to have him higher rated. But it's not to slight Forsberg at all. I think Forsberg has still been pretty good overall this season. It's just that Talbot is shining brighter right now. Talbot does have the occasional off game, but uh, obviously he seems to have that X factor where he can just absolutely steal a game. So it, it, it might happen that Talbot has a rough game at some point, and then we see Forsberg get in the net and then just go on a run. I would not be surprised at all because Forsberg was the guy stealing games for this team last year. So it could easily switch back around. I think the tandem plan from, from Dorian bringing in these two goalies has been a pretty good success so far. Obviously, it hasn't fully translated to wins, but I would not blame the goalies for that. I would blame the defense. And we will get into that, starting off with another sad face, Zub. Only 14 games on the season so far, so I cannot grade him. If I, I mean, if I had to grade based off of 14 games, like, I'm sure I would give him a pretty high rating, like probably B plus A minus or something like that, but I don't think it's fair to rate on such a low number of games. It's it's like a third of the team's games or something. Uh, so Zub is awesome. Hopefully back very soon. I believe he was he was back at practice with a face shield. So hope we see him uh, maybe before the new year. That would be awesome. But back in January for Zub, that would be great. Then we have Zaitsev. And now this might be a little bit generous. Not giving a D and giving a C minus. Now I have to say before Zaitsev went to Belleville, he would have been graded as an F. It was it was just it was not working for him out there. It was not happening. He was not the guy on defense. Just nothing was working for him. It was really probably the roughest stretch in his Sens career. But I do want to be a little bit more positive and give him some credit that after coming back from the brief stint in Belleville, he has actually been pretty good lately. I don't think there has been a single game since he came back where I've actually came on here and actually complained about his play. Whereas before that, before he went to Belleville, it was kind of a common topic of just, oh my god, why is Zaitsev getting so much ice time? And oh my god, he screwed this up. So, I feel like 
a slight resurgence for Zaitsev lately, I'll give him some credit, you know. C minus, I don't want to be too harsh, but I think some some people might disagree with that, but I'm going to be a little bit generous, going to be a little bit nice today to Zaitsev over the holiday season. So then we have Holden at a C. I liked Holden quite a bit last year, but I think at this point, he's just kind of solidified as just being like an average third pairing guy, which is fine. Um, in terms of expectations, like I don't expect much more from him than that. You know, when he has to play top four minutes, I feel like it usually doesn't go very well uh, or look very good, but he's fine. I, I'm never like annoyed with him being in the lineup over anyone else. So I feel like a C is fair just in terms of like, I mean, he, I was saying that B is like perfectly meeting expectations. I don't have very high expectations for Holden. So you could argue that I could have him higher in, in that regard in terms of like, it's just a third pairing guy. He does does fine, but I feel like C is more more accurate for that because I feel like B is like meeting expectations in in a very positive way, whereas Holden is just kind of meeting expectations in the most average and mundane way possible. Just he's fine. We need defensive upgrades. Uh, ideally, like on a good team, he'd be a seventh D. He's been fine as a as a third pairing D, but that's just that's it. I think C is very fair for him. Um, and then this is another one that some people might disagree with is Hamannick as a C. Um, but again, the expectations play a big role for me is that I guess Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith expected him to be a top 4D. I did not expect that. He should be a third pairing D. And I feel like we would not be complaining about Travis Hamannick so much if he was only playing 15 to 16 minutes a night and we had someone better ahead of him. Um, it's just... That's that's where expectations come into play, you know. He he has his mistakes. We saw one today uh, that led to the power play in the third period with him taking that penalty. Um, I think I just think that if he was playing less minutes, we would see less mistakes from him, and he wouldn't have such a uh, microscope on him, especially being uh, Jake Sanderson's partner. We're all watching Sanderson out there and being amazed, and then you see Hamannick doesn't look as good. But I feel like he's done okay in that role considering I don't think he's a top 4D, but he is playing in that role. Um, I don't want to like harp on him too much overall on the season. And let me just check real quick if I can find it. I think he actually is a plus on the season, which most of our defenders are not. Let me see, let me see. Oh no, it was, oh, it was Bernard Docker that was plus one. So Hamannick's minus six. But the reason why I say that is because Jake Sanderson is actually a plus. So I thought that they would have been together. Hamannick with a minus six, you know, a guy who isn't a top 4D playing as a top 4D on this team with their results could be worse than minus six, really. I, I like his physical play. Just just wish he was on the third pairing, you know? So a C for him. And then this is another debatable one. Brandstrom a C plus. I originally had this as a much higher grade. I wanted to give him something like a B plus. And then I remember, like, then I was looking at the stats and I'm like, he only has three assists on the season in 32 games. And, you know, I was talking about plus minus. He's only a minus one, which is decent. Although he gets the type of ice time that I wish Hamannick got in like 15 minutes average, you know. So it's hard for a defenseman to put up too many points with 15 minutes of uh, ice time. But this guy was supposed to be an offensive D. So when I talk about expectations, I feel like that's a major part of it. Only having three assists in 32 games and no goals. It's just, 
I feel like I needed to see some offense from Brandstrom for me to give him a higher grade. Although I will say that I do think he's been much better defensively this year. And especially the main thing he excels at is breaking the puck out of the defensive zone. I do think he is one of our best players in terms of that. I have to give him full credit for that. I uh, I wanted to look up his like advanced stats metrics uh, uh, before this, but I do not have time. So if anyone knows if Branstrom has like really good courtsy or anything like that, because I wouldn't be surprised. Like I think he does well in his limited minutes, and I'm never I'm never complaining about Branstrom when I watch a game. It's just that he was supposed to be an offensive D, and you need to see points from him eventually, right? Like I know he doesn't he doesn't really get power play time. I think we'd like to we'd all like to see a little bit more of that. Maybe getting him in on the second unit there, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not mad at Branstrom. I'm actually pretty uh, pretty impressed with him this season in terms of the defensive play. It's just, I want to see some points from this guy, you know? Uh, but yeah, let me know what you guys think in terms of Branstrom. Shabbat B-, minus, but he's trending way up. This one comes with a disclaimer, is that earlier in the season, I would have had him at like a C or lower, because uh, he was really struggling early on, especially in that uh, the seven-game losing streak. He was receiving a lot of criticism from fans, and we were already seeing people saying that uh, Sanderson should be playing more minutes than him. But he had that injury. He took that rough hit, I think, in Philadelphia. And ever since that, he's actually been very good. I've been very impressed with Shabbat over the last month or so. He's uh, He's been doing really well on the power play too, which is nice, because he had a very low number of power play goals in his career. I think it was only something like three. I think he already matched that total this year, like... I guess I'll double check because I still have the stats open, but he's five power play goals and 10 power play points. So we're seeing the offense really come through for Shabbat now. Minus six on the year, but when you play an average of almost 26 minutes a game and it was above 30 minutes today, uh, you're gonna get you're gonna get minuses. That just kind that's what happens when you're the best defenseman on a poor team. So Shabbat is trending up for me. I think by the end of the season, if he keeps this up. Could could get into the A range, at least a B plus. Right now, I'll say B minus because it was a little bit rough early on in the season. It just took him a little bit longer to get into his top form. But I am happy with Shabbat right now. And then obviously, I'll just reveal it right there. Sanderson with the A minus. I feel like I could have uh, could have gone A plus, but I feel like again since I was talking about Branch, I'm not really putting up points. Um, Sanderson. He has a modest point total, not super uh, not super great, but still quite good for a rookie defenseman. But the thing is, I didn't expect as much offense from Sanderson as I like originally did from Branstrom, like when we acquired Branstrom. Like, Sanderson has just come in and been a stabilizing force on that second pairing, which is what we really need. Like, the, uh, the number two behind Shabbat, he's just done that job perfectly. So, I think, however you want to rate him, I think he has to be in the uh in the a ranges like a a a a minus a plus whatever you want to give him uh, like the only reason it's not a plus is because he could have more points but i feel like that's just bad luck at this point because i think his offensive instincts are pretty good i was saying earlier i feel like he could have more goals on the season if it wasn't just for for some bad luck so obviously jake sanderson just awesome so far this season can't can't say enough about how great he's been really been a revelation for this team now <laughs> 
we just need to figure out that right side on defense. We got got the left side unlocked. It's kind of funny how with the grades here, well, not funny, but like it makes sense. It's perfectly obvious how Sanderson, Shabbat, Branstrom are the top three defensemen in terms of the ratings because that's the left side. Left side is looking awesome. Right side is looking like ass uh, other than Zub. We really need Zub back. Um, but yeah, that that's just the main thing is Pierre Dorian's got to figure out that right-hand D spot. I don't know if it'll happen this year. I feel like if the team had managed to be closer to the playoff race, closer to a wildcard spot, maybe we could have seen a trade at the deadline, maybe sort of for a rental or maybe not a rental, but maybe maybe someone who would be a rental, but that we could potentially re-sign to bring into that right-handed D role. But at this point, I don't think it's going to happen in season. I think that's going to have to be the number one thing that Pierre Dorian does in the off season. Uh, Delta go in the chat. JBD is for real. Zub just need one more. Yeah, I, I was, I could have rated JBD, but he's only played uh, six games so far. So I feel like I don't have that good of a read on him uh, this year, but I do think he is trending nicely. I like, I did like his game more this year than last year. I think he is developing for sure. I just, I don't know if he's going to be a top 4D for certain, you know? Like, I feel like he kind of reminds me of Dylan DeMello. Not a huge defenseman. Plays, like, a really quiet game. You know, makes the right plays. If he can be as good as Dylan DeMello, that's perfect. Because uh, that's a guy that I wish we still had. Um, but unfortunately, he's injured right now. So, I hope we do see JBD uh, and maybe Lassie Thompson further down the line this season. Because, uh, boy, that right side is bleak without Zub. Like, it kind of sucks that uh, we haven't seen them as much recently we couldn't couldn't call up jbd with that injury and uh belleville kind of needs lassie thompson so they're calling up guys like hetherington to just uh fill the space at the nhl level instead of calling up like the top guys you really need those development development minutes in belleville uh but yeah i hope to see more from those right-handed defensemen later in the season especially because we're not like way up there in the playoff race so you can um you can call up some rookies and give them some ice time, give them some some good shots uh, to prove themselves, especially with, I wanted to mention that as well for the forwards, um, the uh, the call-ups, like we've called up Sharche and Lucini and they've been perfectly fine. I have no issues uh, with how they've played, like again, in terms of expectations, like you kind of just expect their AHL players, so you don't expect much from them, but since we're not totally in like right in the thick of things in terms of the playoff race and our bottom six has struggled for the most part i think especially the fourth line i really hope we see sokolov crookshank and grieg uh in the second half of the year here you know into 2023 that's kind of it might be a little early for new year's resolutions because we'll have some more shows uh before new year's but i do have to say one new year's wish because it, it can't can't say it's a resolution because I have no control over it. But a New Year's wish for the Sens is I want to see some of these rookies playing in the second half of the season. If we're not going to be making a huge playoff push, which obviously number one uh, wish would be to actually get into a wild card spot. But thinking realistically, I really would like to see uh, some of our rookies so we can evaluate them. Want to see want to see Grieg get into his first games. Like to see Sokolov back because he he's continued to be very good at the AHL level. Would like to see him uh, get back at the NHL level and uh, maybe get his first goal because I, I don't think he scored yet. I don't think he scored last year. And then everyone is hyping up Crookshank, so I definitely want to see him play too. I don't, 
I can't say that I've seen Angus Cruikshank ever play a game because he uh, he got injured in the rookie tournament last year and then was just out forever. And I haven't been able to catch any Belleville games this year, although maybe I should. Maybe I should uh, try to catch some and see how these guys are doing other than just uh, watching the stats. But yeah, it, again, if we're not going to make a huge playoff push, I would definitely like to see um, some of these guys instead of like coming into the lineup uh to kind of replace these players that i have given low grades to you know i'd like to get some rookies in there and see how they can do you know uh oh sorry the sends graphic is back because i switched back to my solo cam uh but that will just put a put a emphasis on the end of this show that uh, the boston bruins got sensed so overall i'm very happy tonight uh i guess got to run the graphic by accident one more time but for a little extra celebration because that is where i'm going to wrap it up tonight uh thank you for watching everyone leave a like if you enjoyed the stream subscribe to sdpn and share the show around if you enjoyed it uh we will be back i think uh thursday another matchup with the capitals so charlie We'll be bringing you that one again with his uh, Caps fan friend. So should be another great show with those two. Uh, thank you everyone so much for watching and have a good night. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.